Prepare for our cringy new AI created theme song. Digital Marketing Masters. Podcast with your host now, else. Aaron Bean is our guest and he's in the house. We are talking about AI and automation. This is going out across the marketing nation. Hey everybody, welcome back to Digital Marketing Masters for our season of AI. And today, I've got Yaren Bean. Yaren, how are you doing? Awesome, great. I'm very excited to hop on this conversation. Yaren Bean is an e-commerce entrepreneur, growth coach, and industrial engineer with a passion for helping businesses succeed. Born and raised in Israel, Yaron served in the Israeli Special Forces as a search and rescue operator before pursuing a career in entrepreneurship. I forget exactly how we got connected. I think it might have been through Ifat Cohen. Oh yeah, she's a. I don't remember. Uh, yeah, she's she's from Israel. She's actually in Israel right now, and you're originally from Israel, I believe, right? Uh huh. Correct. Yeah. And, anyways, you talk a lot about automation and code and stuff, and how that's helpful for e-commerce companies. And I know we work with certain types of e-commerce businesses as well, and. I find that the person who's like a retailer is definitely not a developer, right? Mm -hmm. Like they don't even know what would be possible if they were to code something, uh -huh. right? And I think, you know, I, I watched or listened to a couple of your shows and one thing that struck me as you were talking about, like what can people do for e-commerce with code that you can't just do out of the box with Shopify or WooCommerce mm -hmm. or something like that. For sure, yeah. So I believe that since the launching of ChatGPT, the field, the, the 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 plane of the field is becoming, you know, the same playing field. And even people that are non-techy, if they even do like a short tutorial on YouTube about Python or like some sort of a generic developing language, they can then go ahead and use ChatGPT for whatever they would like. And I've been doing some crazy things, although, although I don't consider myself a developer, I just use my imagination to think about the use case or what I need. And I just go ahead and ask ChatGPT. Just to give you an example, I created 70 blog posts in two clicks from like a seed CSV, created 70 blog posts, long form, or created a video generator that basically creates a shitload of videos with different hooks for Facebook ads. And these are all things that came, it's not out of the box software, but I just used ChatGPT in order to use Python and write the scripts for me. Right, and so in those cases, you're using something like like Python scripting. Do you, do you use ChatGPT to help you write the Python script? Yes, obviously, because I, I mean, I did some basic Python courses, but I wouldn't consider myself a developer, right. but I just go, go to ChatGPT. I tell him, I tell it, can you write a Python script for me that does X, Y, and Z? And whenever I encounter an issue, I just copy and paste the error into ChatGPT and it gives me a solution that I try and normally it works. Right. I think when you're working with code. It really helps to actually use chat GPT four instead of the 3.5, which I you have agree. to have a subscription. Mm -hmm. Another thing that's interesting I find with coding is having a little bit of a discussion with it as if you were going to have a meeting with some developers, you know, saying something like, you know, in a lot of people say 
to chat GPT, they'll say, you are a professional Python developer. And then they ask it, like, write me this script. Mm -hmm. What I find gives me a little bit better result would be, I am trying to do X, right? Let's Mm -hmm. say that is, you know, like your example of blog posts. I'm trying to take a CSV list of ideas for blogs and write those articles in an SEO-friendly manner. Mm -hmm. Can you help me by writing a Python script, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and then Mm -hmm. explain any other requirements you have, like, you know, my CSV is going to be a Google Sheet, you know, that kind of stuff, right? And then ask it questions like, is this, like, it'll give you a solution right away. And -hmm. you can say something like, do you think this is the most efficient solution? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, could you, can you attempt to debug this code to make sure it'll work the first time? Right? Mm -hmm. For sure. I think those things are ways that you can get a much better result out. Mm-hmm. I um, agree. There is, there is a, sorry for interrupting, there is a, a whole field that is probably you discuss this, is this during the season. It's called prompt engineering. So mm-hmm. whenever I give the prompt, before I even give it, like I request, write this code for me. So I will take a few steps before giving it the context, asking it for alternatives. Then I'm going to ask it, do you understand what I'm trying to achieve? Please summarize what you understood from my prompt. And then it's going to summarize. And only in the next step, after I, I like created a few milestones of going back and forth with the with ChatGPT, I'm going to ask it to write the script. So I never ask it to write the script from the, on the get-go, because then there are a lot of misunderstandings. So I try to clarify things before. Yeah. And you know what's interesting about that, and this is something that almost no one knows, which I found really surprising, is that the system itself, it only like thinks, we'll put that in quotes, it only thinks when you give it tokens. And tokens are what make up your response, right? So when you mm-hmm. ask it a question, you're, you're basically giving it tokens and then it's returning which token is most likely to be next in the series kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you just say, write me a script that will convert a CSV into a blog post, you're going to get a crappy response. But mm-hmm. if you have a discussion with it, the more times you're giving it tokens and the more questions you're asking to clarify it and give it context, the more likely you are to get a more accurate response. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. But there is a caveat that ChatGPT4 at the moment can only go back, I think, 4,000 tokens. So yeah. let's say we conduct a very long conversation it doesn't recall the history in opposing to other methods that do recall history, uh, other algorithms, or if you use like a memory enhanced algorithm like Langchain, so we can also seek in the whole conversation. But one thing the listeners need to take into account that ChatGPT can't read the whole conversation if it was very long. So you also might, you, you should make it to the point and don't take into account, don't think that it remembers whatever you wanted. Yeah, you can also remind it of things further mm-hmm. back, I found. So, you know, let's say you want it to, you know, write your script and you told it it was a Google Doc and then it writes a script that's not for Google Docs. You can say, you know, something like, if you remember, I mentioned mm-hmm. that it should be for a Google Doc and it'll be like, oh, I apologize. And then it'll rewrite your script for a Google Doc. Yeah, for uh, sure. You know, another good use case for this, and not that there's anything wrong with Python, but you can ask it, is there another language or another way to accomplish this task without using Python? Mm-hmm. 
right? Mm-hmm. Because there's scripting built into Google Docs, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of times yeah. you can use a script from Google Docs where it'll give you the script and it'll tell you how to paste it into the Google Doc to get the result that you want out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was so going to say, I, this is super handy if you have to do something. Some of the super pain in the ass things to do with spreadsheets, like somebody gives you a list of 3,000 people that they got from a conference, and you have to split it into first name and last name, but some people have two first names or hyphenated last names or something. Mm-hmm. You could tell it, I want you to take these things into account and then write a script that will separate it into first name and last name, and it'll just give you the stuff to paste right into a Google Sheet. For sure, Google Sheet, Google Docs, Visual Basic for Excel, whatever mm-hmm. you want, it can write. And I often w- use what you mentioned whenever I start debugging for a long period of time. So let's say I asked it to write this CSV that generates a blog post, and there is some sort of an error, and then I paste the error back and we try to optimize and it doesn't work. So after like three attempts, I'm going to ask it to work using a different language or use a different Python library, like completely reset and just generate something from the get-go. And this now usually works pretty well. So switching the whole fundamentals of the script is often useful. Right. And now for somebody who maybe is not too into development, you know, maybe they don't even know what Python is there's still this is still a valuable way to get the result that you want something that can be really useful especially if you're one of the bigger platforms you know something like magento or woocommerce or shopify and you can say i'm in shopify i'm trying to get a report that tells me which product my customer is most likely to buy if they're a second time returning customer and it can tell you which data to export, put it in your spreadsheet, right? Excel or whatever it is, and then how to massage the data to get the answer you need, right? So it can it can give you step-by-step instructions. And if the instructions are too complicated, you can say, can you spell this out for me as if I was a 12-year-old? And then it'll give mm-hmm. you like super basic instructions, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. I love that, yeah, for sure. And and uh, we, we discussed a lot about automating using Python, but for I'm guessing that a lot of e-commerce store owners they don't even comprehend that the use cases. So I'm not saying that Python is the end all and be all. For e-commerce store owners, you can also use just like simple CSS, simple HTML, or Liquid in Shopify. Just small adjustments that you want to make. And in the past, you had to get an app for that or hire a developer. These days, if you're on budget and you're just an e-commerce store owner with not a big team and limited technological knowledge, you can just go and adjust these front-end or back-end lines of code using ChatGPT. I think a really good use case for, you know, your kind of solo entrepreneur or small team, and you don't really want to go out and hire a developer to do something, and you just need some either some basic data massaging or, or I hate that's kind of a programming term. If you mm-hmm. you just need to like modify some data or you need to do some math or something like that, but you don't know how to program it, right? You could say, you know, let's say you have a mortgage company and mm-hmm. you want to put a mortgage calculator on your website, right? You don't need to go find a bunch of apps and pay for them for a mortgage calculator. Mm-hmm. You could go to ChatGPT and say, I have a website that is WordPress. 
I would like a mortgage calculator that will run on my website without having to install a plugin. And it'll say, all right, let's use jQuery or JavaScript. Mm -hmm. And it'll write the HTML. It'll tell you where to put it, right? And it'll write the script for you. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So, as, as we said at the beginning, the sky's the limit. I The other day, I created a Chrome extension for myself that contains canned responses, like stuff that I saw that I'm often typing and I don't mm -hmm. want to type, like, let's say, my address or like a, some sort of a farewell for to end the email or templates. I just right. created a Chrome extension using ChatGPT of kind of response that I have now in my Chrome ex extensions, and I, it you know it uh, streamlines my process. So the sky is the limit in my opinion. Absolutely. There's also you know if you were to you know in ChatGPT instead of making a Chrome extension, you could say like you know hypothetically, let's say you don't use Chrome, or you're mm -hmm. working on your phone, you could say. How do I set up a macro for this on my iPhone mm -hmm. 10 or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. it'll tell you how to set that up, right? And so there's lots of ways that you could do it. I love canned responses. That's probably one of the lowest hanging fruit for businesses that they don't use mm -hmm. is just have, if you, if you have to say the same thing over and over to people, just have it ready to copy and paste, right? For sure. And then set yeah. up a macro or, like you said, a Chrome plugin or something that you could just hit, you know, mm -hmm. control percent and it puts the, yeah. this is how uh -huh. we install our software or, you know, whatever yeah, exactly. the response is. So we talked a little bit before about automation. Mm -hmm. uh, what kind of automations are you using with e-commerce stores? So whenever I talk about automations, I usually make a distinction between what I call offensive automations and defensive automations. Mm -hmm. Defensive automation, in my opinion, is just streamlining tedious processes. So it's mainly accounting stuff, order fulfillment. For these type of challenges, very often you have an out-of-the-box solution, a plugin for WordPress or a solution for an app for Shopify. So I try to use as many uh, software as a service that are available out of the box right. for the defensive solution. But for the offensive stuff, uh, I try to code my own stuff if it's using ChatGPT or using RPA tools. And just an example, let's say I want to reach out to 10,000 Instagram influencers in a specific niche. So I'm going to create a scraper. It's a bit black hat, you know, but never mind. I'm going to create a scraper that enters on a Hourly basis, I mean, I want to stay compliant to Instagram's uh, terms and terms of use. Mm -hmm. So every hour I'm going to enter this specific hashtag, scrape 10 links of people who have, who tag themselves in this hashtag. Then I'm going to get a spreadsheet that contains the amount of followers and if they have an email. So this is just an example. Right. And obviously afterwards you can use an email auto outreach automation tool to send out the email to all of these people and offer them to become an affiliate. So this is just an example. But as we said, the sky's the limit, and this is, could be for influencer reach out or for video generation or for streamlining social posts, like we discussed before hopping on the call, although I don't think it's such a valuable thing to do as an e-commerce store owner, but it's, it's, right. if people care about branding, they can do that as well. Yeah, I mean, we use automation for our podcast, right? So. Uh -huh. You and I chat it, I send you the link, you go sign up, it creates the, you know, event. The only thing mm -hmm. it doesn't create is the recording for me, but that's because I changed my mind about what recording software I'm using too often. But uh -huh. yeah, there's all kinds of, like you said, defensive automation, mm -hmm. which is 
like a good example would be if you have a product that somebody purchases that is drop shipped or you're not the fulfillment company for that specific product Mm -hmm. and somebody in your system or your organization has to take that order and send an email to somebody, right? Automate that. Have something that can read all the incoming orders, figure out if that is in it and send it to the right person, you know, Mm -hmm. and there's plugins for most of that stuff. Like you were saying, I know there's a really good WooCommerce notifications does that for uh, Mm -hmm. WooCommerce stores. I'm not sure what the Shopify equivalent is, but there's also plugins for a lot of drop shippers as well. That will plug Mm -hmm. right into your website and, you know, send out the orders. I think another really good one that a lot of people probably already know about if you're in the e-commerce world is something like ShipStation, you know, Mm -hmm. where it can bring in from Amazon and Etsy and your e-commerce store all into one location so your fulfillment people can do their job. So those are great ones. If somebody's an e-commerce store right now, they're, you know, doing well, they're making good money, they could invest in some technology where do you think is the the best places for them to look for things to automate? This is a great question. And while you were talking, you reminded me of back in the days, these solutions were not available. So right. in 2017, we started, we started dropshipping and we had like 300 orders per day. And my wife had to go to AliExpress and manually copy the first name, last name, address, a number of the customers. And I remember one day I came to the lounge and I saw her sitting on the floor and crying because, it, you know, it's so tedious every day right. to copy and paste the names and solve the captcha. So people today, they might be taking this for granted, but back in the days you had to solve 300 captchas just to fulfill the orders. Right. So this is something that people should appreciate. And regarding your question, it really depends on where your store is built. So if your store is built on Shopify, so what I suggest doing is just going to the marketplace of the apps, the Shopify mm-hmm. app store and sorting by popularity. And you can see the most, uh, the apps that have the largest amount of reviews as this normally, as long as it's not a paid promotion, this usually is a good, good prediction of the, the, avili- the, the ability of the app or if it's useful. So I would just go to the marketplace, the specific marketplace of the specific e-commerce platform that you have and check out like the. 20 or 30 top apps and see what they are offering. Yeah, I think this is like the most, uh, the lowest hanging fruit with regards to finding good, creating a good tech stack. Yeah, it's really good. The other thing I think that people overlook is a lot of times people will say, well, this only takes me a couple minutes a day. So why should I bother automating this thing? Right. Uh-huh. And I read a, a book about manufacturing a while back. And they uh-huh. said, even if it takes 30 times as long to automate the process or to train somebody else to do it than it does for you to do it, it's going to be worth it, right? For so sure. if it's going to take you, if it takes you five minutes to do a task, even if it's going to take you two and a half hours to automate that task, in the long run, you've you've won, right? Yeah, for sure. And I could 100% tell you right now, that with all of the automation that we've added just in the last six months since AI's kind of, you know, really hurt, jumped the hurdle where it's usable for the average person. Mm-hmm. And oh, it's like we were talking about that Get Munch app. Get mm-hmm. Munch is going to have to start paying me pretty soon because I think we've talked about it on every episode of my show. Uh-huh. <laughs> but it saves me so much time. 
because it takes our videos, right? And it cuts them and then transcribes them and puts the captioning in and it writes the descriptions. And like, it does everything that we used to do manually after we made a video, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, it saves me six to eight hours a month. That's Crazy. a lot of time, right? That's a lot mm-hmm. of time to do other stuff to make money. For so, sure. yeah, I think also this kind of speaks to the fact that people who are discounting AI, like saying, oh, it's a fad or it's not a big deal or I don't see how useful it is, they are so going to get left behind. Like, mm-hmm. they, it's not even, like, it's, it's not even going to be comparable, right? Somebody who's using all of the AI and automation tools and has done that work progressively to automate mm-hmm. their systems is going to be so far ahead of everybody else. You know, you won't, they won't even be able to see you from there. That's how I far agree. ahead you're going to be. For sure. I agree. And uh, two points re- regarding this. So you discuss during the episode, you discuss the fact that you mentioned that ChatGPT4 is way more powerful than Ch- during the free version. And mm-hmm. I agree. And I it seems to me like this is the biggest business, inve- the biggest no-brainer in business. I mean, investing twenty dollars in order to get ChatGPT is like it's, it's it's the cost of like two McDonald's. I don't know the prices over there, but it's it's, it's such a no-brainer. I I remember when it was a closed beta, I connected via VPN just to try to pay them. I never had this experience of trying to pay someone, so I think it's a no-brainer getting this uh, subscription. And regarding staying uh, updated, I make it a habit to go to GitHub on a daily basis and see what are like the trending repositories. Mm -hmm. Because over there in GitHub, even if you're not a developer, it's still a good thing to keep in touch with reality, with the AI reality, and see what's trending and the use cases and the solutions that are coming up because it's moving so fast and things are so powerful and so useful. I think it's very important to go to GitHub and get familiar with GitHub. Yeah, if you're the one who's in charge of the technology for your company or your store, you need to be looking at that stuff. And I think the idea of taking a small amount of time just to play around with stuff, you know, without any specific purpose in mind, like just try and F with it, see what it does, Mm -hmm. you know, messing around with, with some AI stuff, you know, like I installed GPT for all on my computer and mm-hmm. I started messing around with that, see how powerful it is. It's actually amazingly powerful for something mm-hmm. you could install on a yeah. laptop. I've done some research in a Lang chain and some of that stuff that we talked mm-hmm. about. I fart around with generative AI constantly. For sure. But you can't make a decision about what you should do if you don't know what's possible to do. Exactly. And basically, if you if you haven't messed around with any AI software at all, then you have no idea what it can do and you cannot make a good business decision because you just don't know. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't take that long. You know, I probably spend anywhere from one to two hours a day during the week and maybe an hour on the weekend messing around with AI stuff, listening to AI podcasts, looking at GitHub, screwing around with the software, you know, and not everybody has that kind of time, right? But I made that time by using the AI because I wouldn't have had it in the first place if I hadn't have done that, right? 
but you get so far ahead of everybody else on the tech, you know, mm-hmm. like you and I having this conversation now, six months ago, I wouldn't have been able to have this conversation. Right. So, so, mm-hmm. so yeah. absolutely. I think you're right. And, uh, you know, I, I know we could talk about this all day, but For sure. <laughs> I think we've had a good talk about it already. I want to wrap it up. If somebody wants to get a hold of you or listen to your show, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Thank you for having me. Uh, if you, I'm mostly active on LinkedIn, so they can search my name, Yaron Bin, Y-A-R-O-N space Bin. It's B-W-E-N. I'm spelling it out because although my name is unique, people probably don't know how to spell it. Right. And my podcast is called Ecomex Factor, which is a bit easier, so they can Google it up and they'll probably find me. Perfect. Well, thanks for being on the show today, Ron. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much, Matt. I hope you enjoyed Digital Marketing Masters. Check out our back catalog of episodes for more than 200 interviews with top digital marketers, authors, and productivity experts. Stay tuned for the next episode where we talk about more AI tactics and applications you can start using right now, just like me.